Grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of God our Father. Amen. You know, this morning we're going to continue on with a sermon series that we've been doing entitled The Confusing Questions of Life. For you that are just now visiting for the first time, this came from a youth group that I had many, many years ago where I asked the kids a bunch of questions and I said, if you could ask God one thing, he had an audience with God for just a moment, what would you ask God? And they asked a bunch of questions that day. We gathered, again, over 100 responses. And this is the fourth question they asked. And it goes something like that, like this. If I'm a Christian, then why am I having so many problems? You guys ever thought of that? Heard of that? Anybody asked that ever in your life? It seems like this is a question that keeps coming up over and over and over. I love that video. A victim sees the size of his problem. A victor sees the size of his God. It's an interesting thing, these problems. We talked about a little bit of these things last week. We talked about how Satan tempts and how God often offers trials to us to grow us closer to him. Today we're going to talk about how God uses problems in our life in a way that's helpful and maybe very countercultural to the way that so many people see God today. I say that because whenever you have a problem in life, you can either run to him or you can very much run away from him. In fact, I hear people all the time in the midst of problems and they start asking questions like this. Does God love me anymore? Answer, yes. Is he mad at me? Well, probably. No, I'm just kidding. Because of the forgiveness of Christ, right? You are forgiven and renewed. You are his child. He loves you. He loves you. You're forgiven. When you get to heaven and ask about that sin, he's going to go say, what sin? Because it's already been forgiven. Am I not one of his kids anymore? Absolutely, you're one of his kids. But do you see how those things kind of enter into our lives? We have these problems and things aren't going according to plan. And are we happy or sad when that's happened? Usually pretty sad, right? We're pretty frustrated about how life's kind of treating us, how we're experiencing things, how things are going, the frustrations, the anxieties, the fears that we have. And we start thinking that something's broken, that something's not worked right. And the reality is, is we're just living on this earth. You've heard me say a hundred times, life is hard and God is good. Is there anything that you've ever read or, or experienced, right, that, that suggests that this life is fair or easy or not hard or not complex or bereft of problems? No. It's just part of life. But whenever we have problems, our perspective gets to be a little bit more like the victim, doesn't it? And all of we can seem to see is the struggle that's before us or the problem that we're enmeshed in. And that's why this book of James is so helpful for this particular topic. It, I'm going to give you this, what I think is the most helpful verse in the whole Bible on this particular issue, and it's found in James. And James actually begins his whole book dealing with this topic head on, and he says this in chapter 1, verse 2. He says, when all kinds of trials crowd into your lives, I like that, crowd into your lives, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Now you're thinking about that and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense and you would say to James, James, you don't know my problems, you don't know my situation and probably true because James isn't alive anymore, right? But he does give us this amazing truth. He says, if you've got problems, be happy. Doesn't he hardly make any sense, does it? But the reality is if you've got problems, it means Satan's working awful hard on one end because you're doing something right and God's working awful hard on the other because he loves you. Gives you a perspective, but James says, when you've got problems, be happy. And he starts saying, well, how in the world is it possible to have that kind of perspective when my life is falling apart? And the key to this is this word realize. 
In fact, here's a sermon today in one sentence. It goes like this. The success to handling any problem will be in direct proportion to how well you understand them, the problem, and your attitude toward them. In other words, how you're responding to the problems in your life. There's actually four realities about problems I'm going to give you this morning that I think you absolutely need to understand because they deal with the problems, all the problems that come into our lives. And they're right here in this, in this first chapter of James, and I think they're very powerful for us. The first three are kind of the negative side, but then I'm going to give you an incredibly positive side to how we can look at problems in a different way. First thing that James says is that problems are absolutely inevitable. Notice it says when all kinds of trials. It doesn't say if, it says when. In fact, Jesus even said this, in this world you will have tribulation. Who said that? Jesus did. Peter, one of the the apostles of Christ, says this, don't be surprised when problems come into your life. It's just a part of life. Why are we always so surprised then? (laughs) But but James, Jesus, and Peter, they both say it's just part of of life. I I had a a friend, kind of, that, that used to, at seminary, used to pray for problems to come into his life. Because I guess he understood, you know, at some point that problems helped him grow closer to God and made him stronger, all those different things, right? He used to pray for problems. Please don't ever do that, right? And, and I'm sure he's figured out by now that he doesn't have to pray for problems to come into his life. It's just one of the things that will come all by themselves, right? Because they're not elective, elective courses to life's school of life, right? You have to have them to graduate. It's part of life, and nobody's immune, and nobody's insulated, and nobody's exempt. Problems are just inevitable. It's not if they come, it's, it's when they come. And so just understand that life is hard, and this is why, okay? Another thing that James talks about that's just a reality. Problems are variable. Notice it says when all kinds of problems there's a lot of different kind of problems that we experience in life. I, I read last week that there's actually 205 different varieties of weeds in the United States, and I'm pretty sure after this rain today, I'm going to have about 82% of them in my backyard. I may open up a weed farm, I don't know. But anyway, problems are just, they come in all shapes and sizes, just like the weeds in my backyard, right? And, and the Greek word here literally means multicolored. Some of your problems, in other words, are custom-made. They vary in intensity. They vary in how long and how hard saw a sign the other day, it says, into every life a little rain must fall. <laughs> this is ridiculous, right? Have you ever felt like that? The problems just keep seeming to be mounting up, where it seems like the, the waves are lapping over your head, and you're just trying to get up to get some air so you can continue to, to fight the battle, and you feel like you're losing. Problems come, and they come in all sorts of different ways. And the last one is problems that are unpredictable, In other words, they happen when you're not ready for them. Notice it says, when all kinds of trials crowd into your lives, don't resent them as intruders. I love that phrase, crowd in, because that's what it feels like. We, we, uh, my daughter, uh, my daughters all swim, and so we go to this, these swim meets, and, and it, it's kind of like camping, you know, and then you get up and you watch a few things or whatever. It's not the greatest spectator sport, but, but we have this tent, and we have this tent be specifically so that, and we have sides on this tent so we can kind of mark out our territory a little bit, because if you don't do that, you'll find that people that don't have tents will will crowd into your tent without asking. And I just think it's rude. And I have issues. I I do have issues. Your pastor does. But anyway, we have these sites that we can put them up just in case that happens because that crowding in makes me uncomfortable. Just like when these problems crowd into your life without asking, don't they? And all of a sudden they're there and it's awkward and it's hard and it's making everything more difficult and less pleasant. I don't know if you can get that at all, but if you get my dysfunction, you, you get it absolutely. Okay, so... 
They crowd in, they intrude. Do you ever have a problem where you feel like saying, not now? I just got going, right? You get a flat tire when you're late for a meeting. You're, you're getting ready to go out with your husband and he's kissed the baby goodbye and it, it has an accident on you and you gotta go change. You're getting ready to come and preach and, and all of a sudden your pants split out, right? <laughs> Funny story. First time I ever did liturgy, ever, in the history of, of, of me, right? I, I have my, my beautiful white robe, and it's all pressed, and it looks good. First time I've ever worn it, I was looking good. I had rocking the cross, right? I was do, walking down the aisle. I mean, I was so excited. I was going to get to do liturgy for the first time. It was my first, I was on field ed. I was in St. Louis, and I get ready, and I get ready to step up to go into the altar, right after the hymn, and I took that big old step, caught my robe, and split it right down the middle. Oh, God's up there laughing, saying, welcome to ministry, Mike. You know, it's, anyway, came across this other story a few weeks ago in the New York subway. It's the first time uh, to ride the subway for this guy, and he's standing there waiting for the subway to stop. Evidently, in the car that was pulling up in front of him, there was a guy that was really stick, sick to his stomach. So the door opened, the guy looked right at him and vomited all over him. The guy just turned around and said, why me? Out of all the people in the New York subway, why me? The problem with problems is that they catch you off guard, often in front of a lot of people, right? You can't predict them. You don't know when they're going to happen. They come when they're least expected. You're unprepared. It's inconvenient. It's embarrassing. It's the same word in the, in the story of the Good Samaritan. It literally means to fall into, like the man fell into that armed robbery. It's not like he woke up in the morning and said, I think I'm going to go get robbed today. That sounds fun. No, it was unexpected. And that's what the Bible's saying. Problems are inevitable and they're variable and they're unexpected. They just happen. That's part of why life is hard. You just can't anticipate them. But there's a fourth thing that James goes into and it's something that should give us hope and it's this. The problems are also purposeful. In other words, they do somehow, some way have a purpose to them. Notice it says in this verse, it says, to produce in you. In other words, Problems can be productive, God says. Stress and suffering can accomplish something good in your life. They have value. Your problems have value. Has anybody been through a hard time and come out the other side and learn from it? Gain a perspective from it that's helped them for the rest of their life? It's part of the good that God can work. But I think the big question is how? How exactly does God do that? Or, or how exactly do the problems produce value? And I think it's a great question. And, and in this verse, the same section, right, James gives us, or God gives us actually, four purposes, or actually three purposes, I'm all over the place today, three purposes for the problems that come into our lives. And the first purpose that God gives us is simply this. Problems come to test our faith. Every problem you have, you can run to God, which means you're growing in him, or you can run away from God and try to figure it out yourself. James says this, realize that they come to test your faith. Note the word here, test. The word is a refining term. It's referring to metals. When you take silver or gold and you heat them up really hot, it melts. And it refines it by melting off all the impurities. And that's so often what God does in our life through problems. Have you ever been under the heat like that with some of the things that are going on in your life? Felt like God was testing you? to see which way you would turn, to see if you'd run to him. And you're frustrated about life and maybe even a little angry at God, but, but will you turn toward him or will you turn away from him? The classic example of this in the Bible is Job. If you've ever read through Job, you know that everything went wrong for this guy. 
He lost his family, he lost his wealth, and he was incredibly rich. He lost his friends, he lost his home, he lost his health. He lost everything, right, except for a nagging wife, and that was part of the test as well. In fact, there was one point where his wife said this, why don't you curse God and go to hell? Talk about a supportive wife, right? (laughs) Encouraging you to walk toward Jesus. No, she's just saying, get this thing over with, right? God allowed him to be tested in just about every possible way. His faith was tested. And yet Job, if you read through the story, and one of the things that makes it great is that no matter what, he kept running to God. He kept running to the one that had allowed this problem in his life. He kept running to God because he knew he was the only source of the one that could save him from it. And ultimately his faith was proved genuine, right? And God rescued him from his life and re-blessed him in ways that were just more than he could have ever imagined. Somebody once said that people are like tea bags. You don't know what's inside of them until you drop them in hot water, right? And once you're in hot water, all of a sudden you start finding out what's really inside of you. Because out it comes. Have you ever had your faith tested by problems? Ever had one of those days, those weeks, those months, those years? Ever had one of those lives where it just felt like God was testing your faith all the way through? God says faith develops when things do not go as planned. It's easy to have faith when everything's going along swimmingly, right? When everything's going exactly according to plan. When you pray and get everything you want right away, it's easy to have faith. It's hard to keep trusting when things aren't going right. James says that one of the purposes of problems in your life, number one, is to realize that they come to test our faith, to see which way you will run One of the problems in our our Christian church today is way too many people are running from God when things get hard. They stop seeing him as the one that can save and to help and to heal and to restore and to reconcile and they just get mad because he's not the vending machine. You ever get mad at a vending machine because you put in the dollar or 50 or whatever it is and they don't give you the Diet Coke or whatever your preferred thing is, right? And and all of a sudden you've lost a dollar 50 and their manager isn't by it and so you just said, I just lost it and you get mad at the machine. A lot of people are doing that with God today because they stop seeing him as the one that can help and to save and to restore. James goes on and says, problems develop my endurance as well. In other words, they come to test your faith and, James continues on, to produce in you the quality of endurance. The result of problems in your life is staying power, right? The ability to keep on keeping on, to keep on going, to keep on trusting, to hang in there when things are getting hard. The Greek word for endurance is the ability to handle pressure. And how does God teach you to handle pressure? By allowing you to experience what? Pressure. By experiencing pressure. That's the way you learn it. That's the only way you learn it. You can't just read it in a book and figure it out. You don't learn it in a seminar. You don't learn it by observing other people. You learn it by enduring. So in the Olympic Games, they have this thing called the triathlon. And what's the purpose of the triathlon? I think it's to test endurance because they have all these different events that you have to go through. And the one that can get through them the best ends up winning. A buddy of mine was inspired by this over the last Olympic. And he tells his wife, honey, I'm going to run in the next triathlon that comes to town. She says, you haven't been preparing. I guess it was coming up in a couple of weeks. He said, yes, I have. A couple of weeks ago, I went down to the library and I borrowed a book on running and swimming and biking. For the last three weeks, every single night, sweetheart, I've been in my easy chair, I turn on the television, I start reading this book on running and biking and swimming. It's amazing. I've really been moved by this thing. I get my bag of potato chips, I got my shake, and I just start pouring through this book, preparing. I found this book to be very fascinating too, honey. 
I've even underlined some of the passages in this book because they've moved me. They really spoke to me. There were some passages that were so good, I've committed them to memory. I'll tell them to you if you want me to. I could quote them. So I'm really prepared. Is he? No. No, how do you prepare for a triathlon? You prepare for a triathlon by doing. Muscles developed when they are stretched. And the only way to learn endurance is to endure something. God wants you to learn endurance because he wants you in heaven. And he wants you to keep on keeping on until the time is for you to go home to be with him. He doesn't want you to stop short. He doesn't want you to quit the race. How do you make failure permanent? You quit. So God allows problems sometimes to strengthen our endurance. God wants you to learn it, and he's going to let you endure some problems in your life. It's interesting, in Russia, they did a, a science experiment several years ago. The, the scientists were doing a research study on longevity by studying how various conditions affected different animal lifespans. And they studied this, right, essentially to see how long people would live under different circumstances. What they discovered is this, that animals placed in easy living conditions where they have everything, are weaker and more susceptible to sickness, and die sooner than those who are allowed to experience the normal hardships of life. In other words, problems produce endurance, just like James was talking about 2,000 years ago. But then James goes on and gives us one more, and he says this, the problems mature my character. The rest of the verse goes this way, let the process go on until you become men of mature character and integrity with no weak spots, wouldn't you like that in your life? No weak spots? I would love that in my life. I have all sorts of weak spots that you don't see, right? But it just sounds awesome to be in a place where you just didn't have to cover. He's saying that God wants to use the problems to build mature character in your life. That's the goal of the Christian life, right? God wants to make you like Jesus Christ. I know that sometimes that gets lost in God's role, goal, one of the things that he's working in your life, but he's working your character to become more and more like him, he wants you to learn to think like Jesus, speak like Jesus, act like Jesus, feel like Jesus, do like Jesus, because it's like him. He said, let us make man in our own image. He doesn't want to make you a little God. He just wants to make you more godly. Because if you're more godly, people might see in you a sense of who Jesus is. And they might get a sense of the hope and a sense of the strength. A sense of the forgiveness that God has given you. They get a window. Some, for some of you, you're the only Jesus some people will ever meet. Does that make sense? Not that you're the Savior, but you're the only glimpse that they're going to get of the one that came to save. Let me see if I can sum up what this passage says. Number one, you're going to have problems. It's inevitable. It's a fact of life. You're not going to get around them. So there's no such thing as a problem-free life. They will come and when a problem comes, you can be sure of two things. The first thing that you can be absolutely positive of is this, that the devil is trying to destroy you. He does not like you very much. And the second thing you can be absolutely positively assured of is this, is that because God loves you, he wants to develop you and get you to heaven. That those are the two purposes always that, that come when we have problems. One is Satan's purpose for your life. One is God's purpose for your life. And when you have a problem, Satan, he does. He wants to destroy you. And, but God, because he loves you, wants to develop you and get you to a place where you can be with him in heaven. Problems do not automatically make you a better person, do they? I know a lot of people that run away from God. And when they do, they only make their problems worse. They get more bitter, more resentful, more hard. It's their attitude. They've refused to trust the God that can help and to save, and they're trying to figure it out in their own way, and they're just not figuring it out. 
And you can do one of the two things, can't you? You can either rejoice that God's got you in the midst of the difficulty and turn to him for strength and for power and for hope and for forgiveness again and again and again, or you can resent it and you can rebel and you can resist. Those are the options. One will make you bitter and one will make you better in every way. In James 1.12, it says, look at the result of the problems in your life. And then he says this. He says, it's blessed, that word happy again, right? Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. In other words, he keeps on keeping on, even in the midst of the difficulty, even in the midst of the hardship, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Are you going to get one of those crowns when you get to heaven? because you stood the test, because you hung in there, that you kept trusting all the way through your life. Do you know that's my prayer for you guys every night? That God just keeps you in his arms, that he doesn't let you go, that no matter what happens to you in life, that you keep on trusting this God to get you through it. What is it that you're tempted to give up on right now? That you know that God doesn't want you to give up on. He wants to stretch your faith He wants to produce endurance. He wants to mature your character. But the question always is, will we let him? Guys, I challenge you to do three things this week. I really do. Whatever problem that you're facing in life right now or whatever problem you're going to get to face this week because you don't know it's coming, one of the two. The first thing is I want you to ask God for wisdom to understand your problem. Because the more you understand what God's doing in your life, the less overwhelmed you are by it because you know that he's got you and he's got an answer for it. Continue to ask God for wisdom. He promises to give it every time we pray. Second thing, ask God for faith to endure it. How do we do that? By going over the promises of God over and over and over again, reminding yourself of what he's told you he will do. Where do you find that in scripture? If you need a a cheat sheet on that, there's a book of promises that we give out, I don't know, like five of the last six years. If you don't have one, go to the the Welcome Center and either we'll have one or we'll order you one, right? But, But pour over those promises that God gives. And the last thing, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you and loves you more than you could possibly know. And his end game for you is always not that you're always just happy as you go through life, but that you're his and that you'll be with him forever in heaven so that you're happy for eternity. But whatever you do, and this kind of overlays all three of those things, never stop running toward him. Never stop trusting. Because in the end, what he promises those that keep on keeping on is a spot with him in heaven for eternity where he opens up the storehouses of heaven and he says, it's yours. Keep on running, keep on trusting, and keep on knowing that God's got you even in the hard times of life. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let us pray. God, we love you so much and we just thank you for for questions. We thank you just for the opportunity over this series and, and I've had fun and I know Pastor John's had fun going through this. But we just, we thank you for the opportunity just to go through some of the questions that are on people's hearts and, and we pray, Lord, that that you would continue to speak your truth in every area where we struggle. That in every area that we're weak, that you would pour in your spirit, that you would pour in your strength, that you would give us this ability, Lord, to keep on trusting in the midst of life. And when good times come, and they will, Lord, for all things are in seasons, we, we pray that we can rejoice in the good things that you give us as well. Father, be with us this week. Be with us in our struggles. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.